0: You're listening to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast, episode 73, hosted by me, Robert Plotkin. Today I'm going to be speaking with Jeremy Edge, founder of EscapingThe.com, a counseling practice for those struggling with an internet addiction or problematic screen use. Jeremy helps his clients strengthen relationships, manage stress, stop problematic screen use, and improve tech-life balance. You can find out more about Jeremy at escapingthe.com. I'm extremely pleased to welcome Jeremy Edge to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. You're about to hear an interview with Jeremy Edge, who counsels people who have online addictions such as video games and social media addictions. Think you're really going to find it helpful. And one of the really pernicious things about these kinds of addictions and other kinds of addictions is that because they uh, involve people engaging in habits automatically, very often we can be unaware of the fact that we even have these kinds of addictions. So, for the suggestion for today, and this is going to complement what you hear in the upcoming interview, is to practice applying mindfulness to your own life to see if you can uncover any ways in which you might be using technology in a way that is either addictive or at least harmful or unhealthy to you in a way that you feel like you would like to change. And one thing that's really difficult about spotting these things is that for many types of behavior, engaging in them a small or moderate amount is not only not harmful, it can be healthy. Uh, Like eating in moderate amounts is not only necessary for life, but can be a source of great joy and connection. But when it is unmoderated, it can become an unhealthy addiction. So my suggestion is, if you question whether any of your digital habits might be addictive, or if you don't want to use that label, unhealthy, I would suggest, let's say it's video games. Engage in your video game playing and either during you can pause or afterwards get in touch with how you're feeling and ask yourself, how does this feel? Does this feel positive? Does it feel like I'm doing this intentionally because I want to or because I feel compelled to and I can't stop? If it feels good during, ask yourself afterwards, how do I feel about this now? Do I feel any regret do I feel like I set out to engage in this for a certain amount of time, but then I engaged in it for longer than I wanted to? Or did I engage in it in a way that didn't feel good to me? And it's really helpful to engage in this kind of pausing, whether during or after, to get in touch with your feelings, because if you don't, you may just continue to engage in the habit without becoming aware of how you're feeling about it. And the the last thing you can ask yourself, somewhat separate from but related to your feelings, is did engaging in this activity or is engaging in it right now detracting from some other aspect of my life in a way that feels unhealthy, counterproductive, or imbalanced? Am I engaging in this in a way that's detracting from my ability to satisfy my responsibilities at home or at work? Is it detracting from my ability to sleep? Is it detracting from my ability to engage in my relationships with others? If you pause, you can ask yourself those questions. And if your answer to any of these is yes, I suggest that you pay particular attention to the upcoming interview. Jeremy Edge is someone who counsels people on these kinds of issues and during and after the interview and in the show notes We provide pointers to all kinds of resources that you can turn to to get help. And even aside from professional resources, if you find that by asking these questions, you have a yes in answer to any of them, you can always turn to a trusted friend, family member, colleague, or anyone else in your community who you trust to seek out uh, support with this aspect of your life. So I hope you find that helpful, and I think you will uh, really be interested in the upcoming interview with Jeremy Edge, who is a counselor specifically on video game addiction. Hi, Jeremy, and welcome to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. Hi, Robert. How's it going? It's going great. It's going great. Um, I think our listeners are really going to get a lot out of what you have to say from your personal experience, and and how you help people. So I think it would be really helpful if you could start by letting people know what motivated you to work with people on video game addiction.
1: What started it for me was a couple of different avenues, but the primary reason was my own struggle with gaming addiction. When I was an adult, I I completed my counseling program, and you have to complete 3,000 hours of face-to-face counseling to be a fully licensed counselor. Well, during that time, I spent around the same amount of time, 3,000 hours gaming. So around four months of doing nothing but gaming. This is over five years. So it was a spread long period of time, but it was a problem. Looking at the DSM-5 in the back of the DSM under Internet Gaming Disorder, there's nine criteria for, for this behavior addiction. Um, and I'm at eight of the nine consistently for mm-hmm. over a year. And so it was a big problem, very much of a focus in my life, not adding any value to my life overall. When I started to step away from that, I started to see more of my clients as well. That was a problem for them as well. I was seeing clients who were like teenagers, young adults, and two of the big things were gaming and pornography. And so I knew it was an issue in my own life. I saw that it was an issue in some other people's lives outside of counseling. And then in the therapy room, the more we dug, it's like, oh, this is the reason you're failing your grades or your grades are dropping or you're insecure sounds like there's a lot of gaming involved. Sounds like your relationship with your wife or spouse is not going so well because of pornography. So that was kind of a focus where I started to see, look, this is a huge issue that not really anyone's talking about specifically like addressing just that. And so I wanted to start a practice that was going to be devoted strictly to gaming and pornography, social media, anything within the online world.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned eight of the nine criteria. We don't need to go through all of them, but I'm curious to know maybe what some of them are in particular so that if there's people out there who are gaming a lot, don't think it's a problem, or maybe are on the edge or wondering whether it is or isn't, I suspect that knowing what some of the diagnostic criteria are might help people get a better sense of whether what they're doing is really a problem. Right. No,
1: and that's a good point. The overall consensus I would look at is to to zoom out with one question is, is it adding value to your life? So that's a really one one big one. But the specific criteria is preoccupation with games. So if they're thinking about games a lot, if they are not able to focus with their school or career, then that's something that they're they're worried that that could be an issue. If there is a withdrawal. So if they are not able to play the game, they are frustrated, irritable, angry. Upset, depressed when they're not able to play the games. That's another sign. So tolerance is built up. Whenever you spend half an hour gaming, then an hour, two hours, you increase your time gaming to try to get that same level of excitement that you started off whenever you first started a game. So again, it's not. It's it's just the amount of time is increased over time. Another criteria or symptom is you try to stop gaming but you can't. You're you're unable to kind of cater. You're unable to control that time. You say, okay, this is an issue for me. My grades are failing. My career is not where it wants to be. So I'm going to stop. But then you go back to it. Um, Another issue, another symptom is escape. So you use this to escape. This is a big common thing for any behavior addiction or substance addiction, for that matter, where you're trying to get away from an issue with the relationship or um, something internal that's really struggling, you're struggling with, maybe some trauma, whatever may be, but Gaming, for example, or porn can be a uh, a lot of people can go to that to try to escape from the, the bad things going on in their life. If they are jeopardizing their work or their school, that can also be another sign that this is a, a big issue. So those are some of the criteria. There, there's eight of them as well. Anyone can go on my website as well. And there's a free quiz under problematic screen use where they're able to kind of check that out and kind of just answer a few questions and that can be a good indicator that's a, an issue for you and i base it off of it's the same questions off of the
0: dsm okay that's super helpful and yeah. we'll be giving everyone links to your website maybe just mention it now as well where, yeah, where yeah. people go
1: I, I will be changing the the name but if you go to escapingthe.com then backslash screen use you should be able to find that piece. It, it's a quiz there, and I can link that. We can have a link in the, in the thing, but it's com backslash uh, screen
0: use. Perfect. And you know, I, I assume that this is something where things lie on a continuum. People can fit one or more, you know, fewer or, or, or more of these criteria. And even within each one, it, there probably are degrees of them. And so what would you suggest to to people in terms of how to use this on their own? Obviously can go to, to a professional uh, sure. for guidance. But you know, what, what would you suggest to people? Let's say if they have taken this first step of thinking about some of the criteria and they think, you know, there are some of these that apply to me. What would you start saying? What what would you say to people if they're starting to have that realization and and they are starting to recognize that this is a problem? to some extent for them.
1: I would just encourage them just to talk to someone they trust about it. It doesn't have to be a counselor. It doesn't have to be a mental health professional, but just talk to someone they, they love and trust and who loves and trusts them. Like, hey, I took this quiz and what do you think about it, right? Either their spouse or, or a friend, like, do you notice this? Do you think this is an issue? And I'm trying to get maybe some feedback outside of that conversation, it could be good to just look at, okay, so I have a preoccupation with games. I, I focus on my games when I'm at work. My free time. I plan when I can go game. Let me like. What is? What's up with that? Like, is that mm-hmm. something that is something that I want to change? Is that something that is adding value to my life? Is that a, an issue? So it can be a starting point to maybe look more at someone's gaming time, for example, and see. Okay, maybe this has gone to uh, an issue, a, a problematic state, problematic mm-hmm. place. Maybe it's not a full blown addiction but maybe it is kind of an issue where I need to kind of address some things. Maybe I need to put some boundaries where I can still game, but maybe not as long as I have been. Maybe, okay, I'm just going to stick it to an hour a day period. And, and and that can be a good parameter. It can be a good starting block for conversations with others, for yourself, if, what you can do moving forward to be healthier to, if, if, it's, if it is a problem for you.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really um, super helpful. And You know, I wonder both from your own personal experience and from working with your clients because you are a a licensed uh, counselor, what do you find are some of the uh, real consequences of this? I might imagine some people, let's say, who are gamers listening to this and thinking, okay, maybe I'm gaming more than I should. It's cutting into my productivity, but it's really not that big of a deal. What's the harm? You know, what's the real... I wonder what you've seen and maybe you could give some of the more moderate to the more extreme negative consequences of this to help people become more attuned to, you know, how serious it can be.
1: Yeah. So honestly, it's a continuum. Like, like I think you said that word, it's really on a, on a spectrum where you can have a gamer be very healthy and make a lot of money, make a profession of gaming, either be a streamer or uh, be on a professional esports team. Or it can be a full-blown addiction where it's a problem where they're not able to function. Or it can be somewhere in the middle. It could be a fun hobby where they're able to hang out with their friends sometimes. Maybe it's a little bit more than that where they're spending more time than they want to. Their relationships are strained with their families. So it really can depend on the person. If it's kind of in the middle where, okay, yes, I'm spending time online. I'm playing out. I'm hanging out with my friends. It's it's really helping me in life. Then that can be a good thing. That can be a Mm -hmm. positive thing if you see it kind of lead into other areas where it is not a good thing, where you feel like there are negative consequences because of this activity, then that's just something to address. It's not something like, okay, you have an addiction. This is a problem for you, but just, okay, maybe, you know, like you, you feel yourself for another example of going to the bar too much, or, okay, maybe I'm drinking. I notice I'm, I'm taking, you know, maybe two beers or three beers a night instead of the one I used to have. Right. So if you see that time increasing or you see that activity increasing, and then seeing negative consequences for it, it's just something to address. There are a lot of people, a lot of people, over 64% of Americans play video games. And so there are a lot of people who can game in a healthy way. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hobby. It's a pastime that can bring people together. There's a Nintendo Switch commercial, I think maybe for the Super Bowl or something, recently where it brought you know, this father and daughter together to hang out at the end of the day. And, hang, and it was fun. And that's a good example of what can happen with gaming. If it's an isolating experience where you are just by yourself and gaming, and yes, you're talking to friends online, that can be okay. If you are focusing more so on the game, where okay, your friends are done, but you're still gaming and you want to kind of go up and level your character up or get your rank up or whatever, that's kind of your main focus, not the social interaction piece. Then that could be something look okay, this is super fun, but where's the real benefit to this? Mm-hmm. Um, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think you're asking people to pay attention to what their experience is like, uh, what the consequences are for them. You know, it sounds uh, like aspects of practicing mindfulness in, in a way that you're paying attention to what you're experiencing. You did mention regret, maybe being a, a symptom that you should pay attention to. If you are playing the game, maybe you feel good while you're doing it, but afterwards you feel yeah. regret. You know, If you notice that regret, that might be a warning flag for yeah. you. And We've mentioned a lot on the podcast in, in relation to other types of online activity, which we know so much of what happens online, whether it's gaming, videos, even ads that are attractive. They can give you a positive feeling in the moment, and then sometimes they'll lead to regret later about the fact that I engaged in this or I engaged in it too much. I wonder if, you know, with your, your clients, do you um, provide any guidance on, on practices that are specifically mindfulness-based? And how does that work?
1: Yeah, so if you're looking, if the client comes to me and saying, okay, they want to have a more of a mindful tech use, or they want to be more mindful, I try to. We, we work on mindfulness kind of techniques in general. So helping them be just aware of their surroundings, being aware of their breathing can be a really helpful thing. It's mm-hmm. good to be aware of kind of kind of what your day is like, and so we can talk about if you have certain things, goals you have for that day to be aware of, okay, so you could be tempted. you have a gap of an hour here to, to play some games? Well, just be aware that that could lead into more games if you're not careful. So be aware of the time. Be mindful of your time. Be mindful of the responsibilities that you have for that day for the week that you want to complete. And again, it's okay to have a break. It's okay to, to chill and relax at the end of the day, but to still continue to do your work and do your stuff and responsibilities throughout the throughout the week as well. So I just try to help encourage them to be to be just mindful of kind of what their responsibilities and what they want to do throughout the day, but also be mindful of okay their stress levels are really high. Look, i I just I do need to chill and relax for a little bit. So it can be okay to be mindful of your needs of what you need as well. That's yeah, super super helpful.
0: And I, I know you've mentioned a couple of things that you suggest to people both individually and with others. I'm always very interested in uh, you know how we can. Engage with the other people in our lives, family members, friends, work colleagues, because so much of this is really hard uh, to work on on your own, although there are things we can all do individually. What, Regardless of what the issue is, video games, messaging, working, just working, yeah, you know yeah. which is facilitated by availability of devices, whatever the issue happens to be, uh, we can really get a lot of support from people around us. Can you talk a little bit about that? First, I'm sure the support you give to people as, as a professional can be really helpful. Maybe you can speak to what some of the benefits are of that to, to people out there. And maybe, you know, ways in which they can get support from the other people in their lives.
1: The biggest, one of the biggest things I see, my clients are a lot of teenagers. A lot of parents come to me saying, kids are spending too much time playing video games. So one of the biggest things that I encourage is to have just a healthy conversation and relationship talking about their gaming rather than demonizing it and saying, Mm -hmm. so-and-so is playing so much Fortnite, it's horrible, it's rotting their brain. Then that's just going to, have a huge chasm where, where they're not going to be able to talk about it and it's not going to be a healthy relationship and talking about technology okay you need to stop yeah. gaming to do your homework and that is the base of the relationship of if mom knows that she hates Fortnite, she hates you playing it and it's just going to be a, a huge battle however if there is a place where that relationship can be a mental relationship and a in a supportive relationship where the you, the basis is tell the mom comes to the kid and say, "You tell me about Fortnite. What do you like about it? Show me how you play it. What is that your character? Oh, cool. That's a fun skin. Tell me about it." Mm-hmm. If you're able to come at it from a place of curiosity and exploring that world that your son or your, your uh, family members' gaming world, whatever that is, then that can really be a huge window into, for one, understanding your child, and then have a huge window of conversation because now the kids can say, "Oh, mom, kind of." wants to hear why I like this so much. And she she can, she can hear your passion. She can hear why you get so excited about playing this game or these games. So I think a big piece is helping conversations happen of just healthy or just helping understand someone's gaming time online use as well. And then from there, this sounds really cool. And you're, you're able to spend a lot of time and friend hang out with friends. This is really cool. However, and, and I want you to enjoy this. Let's make sure that we're able to complete our other responsibilities, too. So when you come at it from a place of, of looking at the relationship first, I think that can really help in having positive screen use moving forward. I hope that helped. Can I answer
0: Yeah, it does. And it's a good reminder for all of us. Look, for adults, too, we know that uh, none of us responds well when the only thing we're hearing from someone else about our behavior is criticism, even if it's yeah. valid. You know, it's just a natural psychological defense, right? Someone comes at me to say, what you're doing is bad and wrong. I'm going to be more likely to have my defenses go up and not be open to maybe whatever truth might be in, in what they're saying.
1: Right. And so that's and, the first thing. One of the first things I do in my sessions is try to, for one, understand what game they're playing, what they like about it, talk about their character, talk about their achievements and all that, and try to just just relate to that. Because there's a lot of passion, a lot of excitement in gamers, because there's so much problem solving so much things to explore some so much fun that can be had and it can be an isolating experience if everyone around that person is like oh, well, this is bad this is bad this is bad so yeah. one thing i try to do is just to normalize look this is fun this is really cool you've worked a lot on this you spent a lot of time on these the games i used to play i was really proud of the the rank i got to so it's for one being able to just relate it's like that's that's really cool Let's talk about your life, though. What else is mm-hmm. going on? Tell me, tell me, let's let's go to the next level. Once that relationship is built, then we talk about, look, where do you want to be at? Your life is here. Gaming is here. Where do you want to be at? You want to be getting into a good college. You want to, to go to whatever school. You want to have good grades now. Let's talk about maybe what's going on with gaming that's keeping that from happening. So part of that is is a um, counseling theory called motivational interviewing, where it's helping a, someone get from a place of complacency a place of movement and action rolling with resistance of I this mean, you know seems like you know you said you wanted to stop gaming at nine o'clock last night but you game till 9 30 and 10 what's going on there let's, let's talk about it what it look like if you went back and started to cut back down to 9 nine fifteen, maybe not 9 9 and then to go from there and help them work on it and, and achieve goals that are practical and they help build up their confidence and then to be able to achieve more and more goals moving forward that makes sense
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. And you're working with uh, uh, motivations that the person already has or shares. Maybe is having trouble acting on them.
1: Exactly. I don't see myself as an expert on anyone. I, I understand counseling theories and clients come to me, they know I'm trying to just to be a sounding board to help them see, okay, they want to get to a healthier place with gaming. It's their desire, not mine. It's their desire. And so I can help them get to that place just through through the work that we do. But it's their motivation to do it.
0: Yeah, and I I wonder, so you mentioned some ways in which you encourage parents to be more supportive and thereby effective with their kids. Mm -hmm. I also wonder, to what extent is it uh, challenging for parents to change their own behavior that their kids might be modeling, even if it's not with video games, You know, parents might be addicted to their phone in other ways for work or other things. And we know kids pick up on that from the earliest age. And is that something that you bring into your own practice?
1: In the presentations and in the practice that I do with the families, that's one of the big pieces. The parenting sessions are very huge because they have to be on board with not just putting up boundaries for their child, but also addressing their own screen use. Um, they have to be the model of that screen use. If they're wanting to have healthy interactions with their kid or even just have you know, a healthy device technology relationship, they, they want that for their kid. They have to do that themselves. They have to model that themselves. Yeah. Even if our screen use as an adult is 100% productive, if we're looking at emails, if we're responding to text messages, if we are looking at something within our business, checking stats or whatever. It's very, very hard for anyone to see that as something different than someone looking at social media, do a kid on Instagram or, or Snapchat, or whatever, or TikTok. And so it's easy for anyone to say, okay, you're on your phone. I just feel separated from you just like that. Right. Unless, unless someone's saying, Hey, you know, as, as a dad saying, look, I'm, I'm checking my emails real quick. Um, but once I'm done, then then we can hang out and we can talk, you know, "Hey, I, I have to respond to this. This is time sensitive. And hey, I can show you this. It doesn't have to be when you show everything, but yeah. being able to use maybe the device or the activity you're doing to talk to your kids about it or just even engage with them in it could be another way to help break down some barriers with using screen use. But yes, the parents have got to be on board with setting the example for their screen use. You
0: know, it seems like every generation has its own version of this, because as you're talking, I just remember when I was growing up, it was a big deal with smoking, you know, yeah. with parents trying to encourage their kids to stop smoking while they themselves were heavy smokers. Kids, I, I mean, you tell me from your own knowledge of childhood development, but I think kids from the earliest age have that hypocrisy detector, you know, which
1: <laughs> well, yeah, the BS detector is really hot, man. Yeah. Yeah. They're able to tell some BS really quick. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. and That's very insightful. And that's the thing is, if, if our kids don't have respect for us, or even as an adult, like outside of the family relationship, it can be really hard to say, why, why should I listen to you? I don't respect what you have to say. It doesn't make sense. We don't have to explain everything to our kids. But if we're able to have a conversation to explain maybe a lot of things, it can help them understand, oh, this is why dad doesn't want me to play games all night. This is why he doesn't play games all night. So it can be just, it can help them understand to then learn to self-regulate and want to self-regulate themselves rather than it being forced upon by another entity.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's there's one other kind of social uh, interaction encouragement I wonder if you deal with, which would be, so as you said, lots of gamers are online playing games with other people, whether they're physically in the same place or somewhere else. Have you done any work, uh, because I haven't heard about people doing this, with, let's say, more than one friend together who are gaming to help them support each other in changing their habits? That's a good question.
1: And I haven't done any work in the counseling session, the counseling yep. relationship. However, there are 12 step groups that provide that. So there's an online group called uh, Computer Gaming Addicts Anonymous, CGAA.info. They have daily 12-step meetings where you're able to log into the to get down onto a call, and everyone in that call is working through a gaming problem or a gaming addiction. So they're able to get support and kind of work through that together. I'm gonna to be working with David Klein of Game Changers for this summer. There's gonna be a camp that we're gonna host for teenagers and um, young kids, 11 to 16, for healthy tech use and healthy screen use. So those kids in that group of around you know 15 or 20 kids. Are going to be together collectively, bringing, coming together and, help and and discussing and working on healthy screen use, not just gaming, but just uh, social media and, and any type of screen use. So, those kids collectively will be working on that together in the camp and then outside of the camp, where they'll have resources, they'll have uh, meetings that we're going to hopefully be able to, to get together after the camp to follow up and to touch base and for accountability to help them kind of with this on a daily level.
0: That's great. Uh, I wonder, can you tell people about, I don't know if there's still an opportunity to sign up for the camp. Uh, you know, where is it? What can people do to find out about it or for future events that you're having like that?
1: Sure, sure. Contacting me uh, at my website or my email is fine. And I can give you more information about it. Jeremy at escaping There is going to be a camp this summer in Dallas, Texas, I believe in late August, we're kind of still finalizing the date. Um, but early, I'm sorry, early August or so, but we're finalizing the dates, but there's still time to sign up. Feel free to give me an email and I can help navigate what that looks like. There is a camp also, I believe is happening in California with David Klein. He, that's where the, uh, camp originated. And so there may be some spots open for that as well. I'm not sure of the dates for that specifically, but I believe that one's going to be happening. But there's still open spots for the one in Dallas.
0: Well, perfect for everyone uh, watching and listening. We'll post links to everything, and you know we'll keep that updated over time. If you want to find out more about it, sounds really great to be able to have kids together working on this. I assume, you know, with, I assume. Tell me if I'm wrong. That amongst them, it probably gives them some relief or feeling of normalization that they're, they're again they are not bad or wrong as people. That there's other kids in the same boat and, and all of this, but talk a little bit about, you know, what some of the extra benefits are of having a camp like that rather than, or in addition to the kind of one-on-one counseling that you do.
1: Yeah, the benefit of a camp, gosh, it's so, there's so many benefits to be honest, but for one, it's being just outdoors. It's so, I don't know, man, I, I, the, just being on the outdoors is just fantastic and being able to kind of do that together and going on a hike, doing an experience together with peers that you're able to kind of form. It's, it's a camp high, you know, kind yeah. of go out to camp, any, any kids going out to camp, it's like, Oh yeah, after a week, I'm awesome. This is so great. Yeah. La, la, la. And, and then it goes away. It dissipates, but that, right. that's a real experience for a lot of people. And so I think the benefit can be for one doing it with people that you don't know, but, but strengthen the relationships you're all kind of in this same boat of, look, I use Snapchat all the time. Yes. My anxiety is spiking because of Instagram I can't keep my grades up because of gaming. All these things will be at the table where the kids are able to, to, like you said, normalize. Oh, you know, this is something that we don't maybe really talk about of the issues with it. We talked about how fun it is, but, but it's able to be a, a, a great bonding experience because of that. Um, it's also a way because of the camp, it's going to be an overnight camp. It is a, um, a, a short, a brief digital detox. The, the phones will not be, they won't have access to technology, during that time if there's a merch you'll obviously be able to get in touch with people but but the experience of not having the device on their person to be able to experience being mindful of their surroundings and, and nature of, of each other and relationships being able to navigate awkward conversations of to, you know like and, and just not having a phone there to be able to, to buffer that awkward silence it can be really therapeutic it really can it, and and just um healthy. So it's going to be a really fun experience for a lot of kids. Hopefully,
0: Oh, that sounds amazing. And just for people, again, listening and watching, I will be interviewing David Klein on the podcast great. soon, and he'll be coming up in an episode or two after this, and he'll be talking about uh, his organization, America Offline. So great that the two of you are collaborating and our listeners will get to hear from both of you uh, separately as well.
1: He's a passionate and inspiring leader uh, in yeah. this space. So going will be cool to hear from him.
0: Yeah, that'll be great. So yeah, before we wrap up, I just want to know how people can, one, get in touch with you about individual counseling, if that's what they're looking for. You know, there's not many people out there who are licensed, experienced counselors who are specializing in screen use and video game addiction. So if anyone's listening to us who has that issue for themselves or for a family member or friend, how can they uh, get in touch with you?
1: They can email me at Jeremy at I'll be able to respond to that within 48 hours and um, talk about schedules and go from there. I can also just be reached by phone. You can be to give me a call. Uh, I've got that number on our website. Which, and also on the website in the top right hand corner, you can book an appointment. You can see my schedule and be able to kind of just book an appointment right there. Again, it's anyone in Texas for a telehealth session or in person as well. If you're in Dallas um, you want to be able to meet up in person, but, my email would be a great place to do that. Also on my email, on my website, there's a contact page and you can just give me a message through that contact page and I'll be able to respond to you uh, very quickly.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, that's super helpful. I wonder if there's any you know, final pointer, advice, encouragement or anything that you'd like to leave people with, especially for someone who personally is struggling with video game or some other type of uh, digital addiction.
1: Something that's a practical takeaway would be go to gamechangers.com and check out the hobby tool. It's under resources. And it's one of the first links, I believe, under resource, um, resources at gamequitters.com. That is a fantastic tool to help give you an avenue for a healthy outlet that's outside of games. So if you want to maybe kind of cater your gaming, I want to kind of stop for a little bit. But when you have that dead space of not having that time, Go to, you can find a good hobby that you want to enjoy. Uh, the hobby tool is you have different things you can click on. I want a free resource, I want something that's fun and, and social, and I want something that's that's local or whatever, or, or even competitive, is, competitive is a big one too. So you click on those things and then it'll give you a category. Uh, they'll give you just a list of hobbies you can do. Paintballing, rock climbing, be fencing, or kind of build something, kind of a craft. And so it gives you just ideas to be able to then say, okay, I am doing a lot of fun stuff online. It's meeting these needs. Why don't I try to meet those needs maybe in another way to be able to redirect that strength that you're using online, to redirect some of these things that maybe you're not adding value to you and use it. That's going to give you value.
0: That's great. <laughs> it's yeah. a
1: really cool resource. I, I encourage a lot of my clients to check out.
0: That's fantastic. Well, Thanks so much, Jeremy. I really enjoyed speaking with you and learning about what you do. I think people will get a lot out of this directly just from hearing you. Uh, I know that it's, it's a really hard thing to be grappling with and I really appreciate all the work you're doing to help people. So I encourage everyone to go get in touch with Jeremy, check out his uh, website and upcoming events, including the, the camp and otherwise. And just thanks so much for being on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast.
1: Thanks, Robert, for having me. This is a great podcast, and I really appreciate the work you're doing as well. Thank, Thank you.
0: you. You're welcome. Bye now. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this Technology for Mindfulness podcast with me, Robert Plotkin, and today's guest, Jeremy Edge, founder of EscapingThe.com, a counseling practice for those struggling with an internet addiction or problematic screen use. You can find out more about Jeremy at EscapingThe.com. If you liked today's episode, Please subscribe, rate and review and share the episode with your friends. Don't forget to also check out our blog at technologyformindfulness.com for information and tips about science, technology and mindfulness and to sign up to our newsletter to receive a free mindfulness meditation. I'm Robert Plotkin and I'll join you next time on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast with author and co-founder and chief executive officer of the Mindsight Institute, Carolyn Welch. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.